And you, I get amazed at these Kendrick young folks and their playing and their singing, and uh, they were a great blessing. And uh, I appreciate what they're doing for the Lord. Somebody said, "Well, all the young folks—they're all out." No, they're not all out. Some of them are in. Amen. And there's a lot of young folks around here in under the tent this week, and uh, I've enjoyed these seeing these young families around here and these little ones and being in the tent with them has been a great blessing, and I've enjoyed the good preaching, and uh, it's good to hear Brother Dewey preach tonight. That was wonderful. Thank you, preacher man. That was a blessing to my soul, and uh, Brother Jason has been preaching, uh, helping us and encouraging us. I appreciate him uh, working on the Holy Ghost works on my heart, helps me. And I don't know about you, but I need a lot of help. I go to church just about every day of my life. And I think the Lord put me in this ministry because he knew I needed church every day. I need a lot of help. One fellow said, uh, if you're from Michigan, it's help. If you're from Tennessee, it's you got hept. And if you are from the hills of North Carolina, you say, I got hopened. But you call it whatever you want, get some. Amen. You get some down the house of God. And I'm glad I got some help tonight. And thank you for allowing me to come and be in the service and the tent meeting. I'm going to have to leave in the morning. Um, I've got a birthday party to go to. My daughter, uh, they're having a special birthday party for her. And so <clears throat> I asked the preacher if I could get out. And so he's going to let me leave uh, in the morning. And Bethany will be 30 years old. So we're going to have a party. And uh, so uh, you pray uh, for safety on the road. And then next week I'll be in South Carolina preaching. Uh, at the Rock of Ages Prison Conference, and then um, I'm trying to think. I'm going to be somewhere after that, but I can't remember, so pray for me. <laughs> I'll remember where I'm supposed to go. And uh, thank you for allowing us to come. It's always good to be with my friend, Brother Steve Brown. I, I just thank the Lord for him and for his family, and he's a great blessing to me. got to spend a little time fellowshipping with him today. Good to see some other friends that have come in tonight in the service and uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I want, I want to uh, deal with three verses tonight from the book of the Psalms. And I want to deal with the 134th Psalm. And it's been on my heart for a couple of days. And so I, I want to just spend a few moments in this Psalm tonight. I don't know how many moments it'll be, a few moments. I often tell people I'm going to try to be brief. I've been trying for 37 years. It's never worked. But I'll try it one more time for your sake tonight, okay? The 134th Psalm. When we get to the Psalms and when we get to the 120th Psalm, we start with a section in our Bible called the Songs of Degrees. The word degree means an elevation or a journey to a higher place. So it starts in Psalm 120. And uh, I believe it starts like this in Psalm 120 and verse 1. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and He heard me. Then Psalm 121 starts like this. I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And then Psalm 122 starts like this. It said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, some people, I've read several things about why these psalms are here and what they mean, and some say that they were used when the Jews came back from the captivity. Others believe they were used as the Jews went up to the Jerusalem on the feast days. 
the explanation that I like the best, I don't know which one is correct, is some say they were used and sung back and forth as the children of Israel walked up the steps into the temple of Solomon to worship. I like that idea. I like the idea of coming to the house of God and you get in the car on Sunday morning and you're driving down the road and dad looks over at mom and says, in my distress I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. And mom would look back at dad and say, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh uh, from the Lord which made heaven and earth. And then the youngins in the back seat would chime in and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That'd be a good way to come to church, wouldn't it? Amen. Sometimes we come we're fussing about somebody wasn't ready on time and this wasn't done and the car's not running right and hope the preacher's not too loud or too long and hope the PA's not too loud hope they don't sing that same song they sung last week and we're not fit to worship when we get here but if we'd come with the word of God on our heart we might be ready to worship in fact we might be able to worship before we even get to the invitation wouldn't that be something down the house of God so I, I like these psalms now there are, there are uh, uh, several of them 15 of them three of them I like to call the primary psalms they have only three verses and each one of them deals with something we would associate with children that's why I call them primary Psalm 131 deals with a weaned soul the weaning process all of us need to be weaned off. We need an appetite change. We need to be weaned off the things of this world onto the things of the next world. And so there is a primary psalm there. Then Psalm 133 has to do with getting along. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's something we would associate with children. How often do you have to say, now children, play nice. Share your toys. Don't fight. Amen. But you know, uh, and, and then the third one we're going to deal with this one tonight has to do with the nighttime. And a lot of time when you're, when you're a child, you're afraid of the dark. Darkness bothers you. And uh, sometimes you get older, you get a little afraid of the dark. But I want to deal with that tonight. Now, those three things, the weaning process and getting along in darkness, they don't just apply to children. All of us need to be weaned. We need to learn to get along with one another. The Bible said, uh, the Bible said, be a kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Uh, you know, God's people ought to be the most tender hearted people in all the world. Tender hearted. But I'm interested tonight in this last psalm. It has to do with serving God in the darkness, in the nighttime. Now, if if the, the word degree means an elevation, if it means a journey to a higher place, then here's what I would assume tonight. I would assume that you start in Psalm 120 would be the beginning of your Christian life and Psalm 134 would be the culmination or the height of the Christian life. Now if that's true, that would be interesting because the height of the Christian life is to be faithful in the darkness. To be faithful in the nighttime. To be faithful in the time of trouble. You know, when we see somebody suffering and in trouble, our first thought is, wonder what they did to deserve that. Wonder what's going on in their life. We're a lot like Job's three friends. Job, you're a hypocrite. You've got secret sin. But apparently, 
God lets those whom he trusts work the night shift. And I want to preach to you tonight a little bit about working on the night shift. Some years ago I heard a, I heard a message by a man named J.B. Buffington. He was preaching at Piedmont Bible College in the chapel. And he, he was preaching from the book of Isaiah. And he quoted these verses. He said, Who is among you that feareth the Lord and obeyeth the voice of his servant and walketh in darkness and hath no light? And then the rest of the verse said, Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Now think about that verse. He said, Who's among you? You fear the Lord, you obey the voice of his servant, yet you're walking in darkness. He's not talking about the darkness of sin. He's talking about the darkness of trouble. Somebody said, you know the Joy Boys on television, they said, well, as long as you have enough faith, you never have trouble. As long as you have enough faith and exercise enough faith, you never go through the trial. You never have difficulty. It sounds good. It just ain't true. The Bible said in the book of Philippians, unto you it is given and to uh, unto, unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his sake. The Bible tells us in Peter, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. It is not a strange thing for God's people to suffer. J.B. Buffington made this statement in that sermon. He said to those those Bible college students, he said, I watched you walk in today carrying your Bible. But he said, I've come to tell you today that there will come a time in your Christian life when your Bible will have to carry you. Talking about the nighttime. I want to preach on the night shift. Let's look at these three verses a moment. Psalm 134, a song of degrees. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, the Lord that made heaven and earth. Bless thee out of Zion. Now what's going on in this passage? Well, pretty simple. It's a shift change. A shift change. How many of you work shift work? Sometime you work a certain part of the day. Sometime you work another part of the day. I was in a Walmart one time. I was in Lenore, North Carolina, and it was late in the night, and I needed something. Something came up, and I drove down to the Walmart. I'd never been in one at that particular time of the night, and I walked in. And when I walked in, it was odd because there were there were um, uh, crate uh, uh, crates and uh, pallets sitting out in the aisleway in between where the normal uh, shelves were. And I thought, that's odd. I've never seen that before. And I was looking at it. Then it dawned on me, it's the middle of the night. It's the night shift. And what they're doing is they're coming in the night shift, getting things prepared for the day shift. They're unloading. They're putting things in. And the truth of the matter is you can't get anything done on the day shift unless somebody does their job on the night shift. And somebody will say, preacher, I don't understand why I have to suffer. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. It may be, dear friend, that God has put you on his night shift because he wants something done. Now I want to talk to you about that night shift for a moment. 
What's happening is those that are in the temple or the tabernacle, whichever this is, those that are coming out, during they've been in there during the day, they've been serving, they've been doing what they were supposed to do, and their time to serve for that day is over. And so they're coming out of their work. And another group is coming in to take their place because the Bible tells us that the work of God went on in the worship of the Lord and the work of the Lord went on day and night in the temple because it's a reflection of heaven where the service of God never ceases. So you've got one crowd coming out and you've got one crowd going in. And what we're reading, I believe, in Psalm 134 is what that crowd on the way out is saying to that crowd on the way in. Those that are coming off the day shift are looking at those that are coming in on the night shift and they're giving them a charge. They're giving them encouragement. They're telling them be faithful on that night shift. Now I want to say three things to you tonight about working on the night shift. I remember working the night shift when I was going to college. I know when I preach you don't think I went to college, but I didn't go to Bible college, okay? That may explain it. I went and I studied journalism. I was a newspaper man, and I have a degree in journalism. And then God saved me, and God called me to preach and put me in the ministry. But when I was going to a journalism school and going to Ferris State College, some of you know where that is up up. Uh, north of here in Michigan and I when I would go in the summertime in order to raise money to work to go to school in the wintertime I worked at a place in Grand Rapids Michigan called Bestaman Produce I would go in at midnight. I'd go in and on Sunday and I would unload crates of all kinds of things, watermelon and cantaloupe, and we'd unload railroad cars, and I worked the night shift. I'd work in the dark in that night shift until in the morning when it's time to go home. I'll tell you more about that later. So I know a little bit about night shift working. Now I want you to think about these folks that are going in to the night shift. And the first thing I want you to consider tonight is the challenge of working a night shift. The challenge of the night shift. Why would it why would they need encouragement in this time of darkness? Well, first of all, because of that, the night shift is a dark place. It's a time of darkness. I do not like the dark. I never have. I've never enjoyed the dark. Some people like it, I don't like it. I don't like darkness. I like light. I don't like the dark. I remember when I was a little boy, uh, Brother Dewey, you mentioned going coon hunting. We had an old blue tick hound named King. My dad would take me out coon hunting out in the woods, and uh, it was dark out there. Back then, we didn't have wheat lights like we had now, and we used lanterns, and we'd go out there, and I, I could never tell a, coo- a trail bark from a tree bark, but Daddy could. He could tell when the dog was on the trail. He could tell when the dog was treed. And, and so I just a little fella, and I'm going to tell you, I was afraid of the woods. You know why? It's dark out there. And when you're, when you're little and you're out in a dark place, there's a booger behind every tree. There's a monster everywhere. If it gets a little windy and the, and, the, and the branches begin to move and you got that lantern and sometime we'd have a little fire and we'd sit there and we'd listen to the dog run till it got, uh, got, to, uh, got to the tree and dad would say, okay, let's go and put the fire out. You know, you're down there in that dark and there's a fire going and that flame is dancing and while it's dancing, the shadows are dancing with it and you'll see things that are not there. That's just the way it is when you're in trouble. 
when you go through sorrow and you go through difficulty and you're on the night shift for God and he's working something out in your life or maybe even in the life of someone else but you're in the dark and you can't see good and you'll begin to see things that aren't there. You'll begin to get afraid of things that are never going to happen. You'll begin to wonder about things and you'll want to get up and say, I'm leaving this night shift. I'm getting out of here. But let me tell you what, it's a very bad idea to do in the dark. Move. Much better to stay still when you can't see anything. You say, preacher, can I be in the will of God and not be able to see? Absolutely. Was Jesus in the perfect will of God when he hung on the cross of Calvary? Did he say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Was he out of the will of God? No, he's in the, and you can be in the will of God and not know which way to turn or what to do next. Amen. So what do you do? You wait on him. You wait on him. You finish your night shift. Don't get moving around. Don't get jumping somewhere. Don't say, well, I'm moving. No, wait till God turns the light back on. I was preaching in Manhattan, not, not the Manhattan you're thinking of, Manhattan, Indiana. And I was preaching in the metropolis of Manhattan, Indiana. And I got in there late one night because it's not very far from where I live. And when I get home, it's hard for me to leave and because uh, I'm not there very much. And so we got there late at night. I was in the church. I was the only one in the church. I was setting up the PA system. I was up in the platform. Now, if you ever travel much, you'll learn something about churches. No two churches put their uh, light switches in the same place. I went to one church where the light switch was behind the choir, uh, the, the railing for the choir. I bet that was up to code. So I'm in this church, and I, I'm, I'm setting up, and the preacher has turned the light on, then he went home. There are no other lights on in the church. I'm up in the, I'm up in the auditorium. It's late at night. You ever been in a church late at night by yourself? It's a scary place. I'm, I'm in there, and I heard this maniacal laugh. This is what it sounded like. It went, <laughs> sounded just like that. Say, preacher, what'd you do? I started singing. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. I started singing about the blood. I didn't know what was going on. I found out later that what it was was they had an old, some kind of old system in there for their heat and air conditioning. They had copper tubing, and when that thing would turn on, those tubes would rub together and they'd squeak. And that's what I was hearing. It sounded like somebody laughing. It scared the wits out of me. And when I got settled down from that, I got the PA all up, and I thought, now I got to get out of here. My trailer was parked in the back, and I knew that I could go down the steps and get in the hallway in the basement. At the end of the hallway was a door. My trailer was outside the door. I knew there was a light. I knew if I could get to that hallway, I could see that light around that door. So I went and turned the lights off. Now I'm in pitch darkness because I don't know where the rest of the lights are. Everything is black, and I'm, I'm feeling my way along. I remember where the stairs are. But here's what they'll do to you. They'll throw a landing in there somewhere and mess you up. So I'm headed down the stairs. I'm holding on the rail. I'm in pitch darkness. I'm going like this. I don't know how long it took me to get down. I found the landing. I made the turn. I got down. I knew the hallway was there. I thought I'm home free. I turned, I, I'm, I'm getting a little bolder now. I turned that corner into that hallway expecting to see that light around that window. And I took a step and wham! I nearly, I nearly knocked myself out. 
I got up off the floor and I'm feeling around trying to find it. And I found a switch and I turned on a switch and somebody had left an upright piano in the hallway and I found it. Now look at me. It's a dangerous thing to move in the dark. You say, well, preacher, I'm going through trouble. I think I'll quit my Sunday school class. No, no, it's a dangerous thing to move in the dark. Preacher, I'm going through a trial. I think I'll find another church. No, no, no. It's a dangerous thing to move in the dark. I'm going through difficulty. I'm in the darkness. I think I'll, I think I'll jump ship on my family. Don't move. Don't run. Don't jump. Stay where you are. Stay where you ought to be. Are you listening now? The challenge of the night shift, number one, is it's a dark place. And sometimes it's hard to figure out what's going on. Not only the challenge of darkness, but there's the challenge of the fact that it's a deserted place. There are not as many. I don't know. I've tried to read how many people were in the tabernacle. One fellow said there's about 27 people in the tabernacle at night. I can't hardly believe it was that few. Another fellow said in the temple there were thousands. I can't hardly believe it's that many. I don't know. But I do know this. There'll be fewer in the nighttime than there is in the daytime. And you know whenever you're in trouble, it seems like when everything's going good, you got friends everywhere. Am I right? But you get in the trouble. Sometimes people start looking at you cross-eyed. They're wondering what you're up to. And you feel a little bit alone. And sometimes you'll say to them, this is what I'm going through. And they'll look at you like they have no idea. Sometimes the night shift is a deserted place. But I want to remind you of this. Your neighbor may not understand what you're going through. Your wife or your husband may not understand. Your children may not understand. Your preacher might not even understand. But I want to tell you where there's somebody who knows exactly what you're going through. His name is Jesus. The Bible said it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a faithful and a merciful high priest. And the Hebrew writer said he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is when God said to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people and I've heard their cry by reason of their task masters and I know their sorrow and I like this next part and I am come down to deliver them you may feel like you're deserted but God hadn't left you and then it's a dangerous place it's dangerous because darkness is when the thieves come out one of the reasons they had to have people in the tabernacle at night was so it wouldn't be ransacked it wouldn't be attacked and boy when you're in the dark when you're in trouble that's when the devil's going to come after you he's going to say now where's God where's that God the preacher preached about where's God here you are in a mess and you can't find God am I the only one under the tent who's ever prayed and couldn't get an answer do you ever go somewhere and just cry and pour your heart out to God and not hear a thing and say, what in the world, Lord? And the devil come by and said, ha, 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 ha. God lied to you. That preacher lied to you. He don't care where you are. He don't know where you are. I want to tell you that's a lie, friend. He knows where you are. And he cares where you are. And he's got something in mind. But you watch it. The thief's going to show up in your time of trouble. He's going to try and get you out. It is, a, it is a challenging place, the night shift. Now look at me. You remember that. You remember that not only when you're on the night shift, but you remember that when people you know are on the night shift. You remember it's a challenging place. It ain't easy to work the night shift. 
and you have a little compassion toward those that are on the night shift. Not only the challenge of working the night shift, but I want to mention to you a moment the choice of working the night shift. Here's my question. Why are these people on the night shift? These people that are coming in to the tabernacle or the temple at dark, why are they there? Are they there because they didn't do a good job on the day shift? Are they there because somehow they've been demoted? No. The Bible tells us that they served by course. You know what that means? That means the only reason they're on the night shift is because it's their turn. You say, preacher, why am I going through what I'm going through? Because God has a work that he's interested in performing, and it's your turn. It's not that God says, well, they didn't do good. I'm going to make them work the night shift, see if they can earn their way back up the day shift. No, it's their turn. It's by course. It's not because they failed somewhere. I understand. I understand tonight. I understand that sometimes we suffer as a result of our sin. I understand about chastening in the Bible. I understand it. But that is not always the reason. Sometimes it's just our turn. It's a matter of course for us to be there. Now, if it's our turn and it's a matter of course, then I would say that the night shift is an appointed place. It's not that God lost track of me. It's not that God made a mistake. It's not that he's going to say, oh man, I didn't mean for them to go through that. It's that God has something he wants to do and he's appointed us to a particular night season in our life. Now let me say hurriedly on the heels of that, if it's an appointed place, then it must be an appropriate place. Have you ever looked at God and said, Lord, this isn't right. How can it not be right if God put you there? Does he make a mistake? No, it's an appropriate place. God knows what he's doing. God's working something out. He knows a plan that you don't know. He knows something you can't see. He sees the ending from the beginning. He knows something that you don't understand. And so you're on the night shift, and it's appropriate. And if it's appointed, and if it's appropriate, then it's advantageous. In other words, God is able to bring something good out of your faithfulness on the night shift. Out of your trouble, He's able to bring glory unto Himself. It is an advantageous place. I thought about the three Hebrew children in the fire. I reckon they thought they were on the night shift. But you know what happened? There was a king there who didn't know God. And when they got done working that night shift, walking around in that fire, and he looked in there and seen that fourth man, he said he's like unto the Son of God. And he said when they came out and there wasn't even the smell of fire on their clothes, he said, uh, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he is the Most High God. You see, it looked wrong. It looked like a mistake. It looked like an error. But all the time, God had a plan. All the time, God had a, he had a purpose. It was advantageous. 
I could tell you, and you could, there's people in this auditorium, you could tell me we could go through and talk to, about different things that we've gone through in our lives, and when we were going through them, we thought maybe God had misplaced us, we thought he'd forgotten us, we, we thought he'd made a mistake, we thought he didn't see it coming, but when it was all through and we looked back the other way, we're like Jacob on this side of those wagons the preacher talked about, and here's what he said, he said, all these things are against me, remember? But when he got on the other side of his night shift and he's heard about Joseph being alive and the wagons are coming, you know what he said? He said, it is enough. It is enough. I will go and see my son. You know what he was saying? He was saying God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing all the time. He thought it was all against him. I'm telling you, the night shift is not against you. It's for you and it's for the glory of God and for his name to be magnified. So we have the challenge of the night shift and we have the choice who works the night shift but I want us to look at these verses because you think I forgot about them and I want to deal with the charge that was given to these men as they started their night shift now I want you to notice what he tells us here these are coming out they're finishing their day shift the night shift is coming in they're going to give them a charge. Notice what they say to them. Behold, bless ye the Lord. Now, let's stop right there. The word bless here, which you'll find in every verse. If you study this word bless, it means to bow down and adore. So what he's saying is you get on the night shift, make sure that while you're on the night shift, make sure you bow the knee and tell God how wonderful he is. You say, well, preacher, I can do that in the daytime. Yeah, so can everybody. But they're telling them when you're on the night shift and you're in the dark and you're in the trouble, don't be mully-grubbing around. Don't be telling how bad God is, how hard it is to be a Christian and all you gave up to be where you are. He said, you get down on your knees and you say to God, Lord... You're wonderful. Lord, you're precious. Lord, I, I'm so glad you're mine. Lord, I love you. Lord, you are wonderful. Do it on the night shift. Bless the Lord. So he tells them that they ought to bow the knee. Here's a position. Then he says this. He tells them about a place. He said, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand. Now we've just learned there to bow the knee. So I don't think the stand means that they're supposed to stand erect. I think the stand means stay there. Stay there. Like we would use this saying, take a stand. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't compromise. They're saying, stand. Stay where God put you. I've already preached about that. Don't be moving around. You say, well, preacher, I don't know what to do. Then wait till God tells you what to do. Just keep doing what he told you to do before. When he wants you to do something else, he'll tell you again. Just stay right there. Just stand. Just stay where you are because it's dangerous to move around. And then notice he'll say this in the next verse, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. And here we have it again. Bless the Lord. So I got this picture in my mind. Here's a fellow on the night shift. It's dark. It's a little bit deserted. It's a little bit dangerous. 
But you know what? He's not the only one on the night shift. There's some other people. So this crowd that's leaving says to him, Hey, while you're down there on your knees, blessing the Lord in your heart, won't you let somebody else know how good he is and just raise your hand and wave at him a little bit. Just lift up your hands in the sanctuary because there's other people. They're on the night shift, and they're wondering the same thing you're wondering. They're wondering if somehow they've messed up. They're wondering if somehow God's forgotten them. They're wondering somehow if they're going to make it through, and so they need to look over and see you on the same, <laughs> hallelujah, on the same night shift, and you're worshiping God. You're praising God. You're lifting up the hand to God and telling God how wonderful he is, and when they see that, they're over here on their night shift, and it just might do this for them. It might, just might say, to their hearts you know what if they can worship him on the night shift then I can too if they can praise him on the night shift then I can too if they can tell him he's wonderful on the night shift then I can too and it might just get a little contagious in there on that night shift in the time of darkness people lifting their hands and praising God and worshiping lift up your hands now there's one more praise or one more bless here look in verse 3 now And the Lord, the Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. You know what? It's the same word, bless. Still means the same thing, to bow down and adore. But do you notice it's headed in a different direction? In verse 1, it's us bowing down and adoring Him. In verse 2, it's us bowing and adoring Him. But in verse 3... It's coming the other way. Help me, Luke. All right, here's this Christian. He's on the night shift. He's in the middle of trouble, trial, tribulation. But he's been exhorted and charged to bow the knee. So he's going to bow the knee. He's been exhorted and charged not to run but to stand. So he's going to stay right where God put him. He's been exhorted to lift his hand. Under God in praise. And so he lifts his hand. Now, here's what I believe the scripture's saying. When this Christian on the night shift lifts his hand and says to God, Lord, you're wonderful. And I love you. And I'm glad you're mine. And you're precious. Here's what I believe the scripture's saying. When God the Father sees him on the night shift, remember now, same word. But it's going a different direction. God the Father is going to bow down. And he's going to get with him. He's going to say, I think you're wonderful too. And I love you too. And I'm glad you're mine. And I haven't forgotten about you. You know what I think will happen? I think if you'll bow the knee and bless him and praise him and lift the hand on the night shift, I believe he'll come by and bow down where you are and tell you you're precious to him and that he loves you. He'll not leave you suffering alone by yourself when he sees that bowed knee and that raised hand and that bowed heart. He'll come by and say the same thing to you that you've been saying to him. And it'll be all right on the night shift if God comes by and puts his arm around you and says, I love you and you're precious and I'm thankful that you're mine. I believe it'll be all right. Thank you, Luke. Now, I'm going to say this to you. When I worked at that produce place, at the same time I was working at the produce place, I was working an internship at a newspaper. So I would go in on midnight at Sunday night and I'd unload tractor trailers and railroad cars and 
pickups and whatever they brought in. I'd do that usually till about 10.30 or 11, somewhere on Monday morning. Then I would drive home, which took me about 20, 30 minutes, and I'd get cleaned up, and I'd go to the newspaper. And I'd work from the newspaper until 5 o'clock on Monday. And then at 7 o'clock was the, was the school board meeting, and because I was the intern and low man on the totem pole, I had to know what everybody else didn't want to do, and I had to cover the school board meeting. And I'd go there, and sometime it'd last an hour, sometime it'd last two hours, sometime it'd last three hours. Sometime then I'd go home, and I'd put on my work clothes, and I'd go back to Bestman Produce, and I'd work all night, and I'd get off, and I'd come home, and I'd get cleaned up, get me a bite to eat, and go to the newspaper and work till 5. And sometimes from before midnight on Sunday until after 5 o'clock on Tuesday, I never slept a wink, and I'd get tired. And it wasn't too bad unloading things, but here's what they'd make us do. We'd get oranges from Florida and California. And they'd come in these cardboard boxes, and some of them would be rotten. And so we'd have a table, and we'd have a box here of oranges and an empty box here and a trash can. And when there weren't things to unload, we would, we would sort oranges. Now, I've been up now. I've been up for a long time with no sleep. And I'm picking up an orange and looking at it. And my eyes are getting about as big as those oranges. And I'm looking at it. And I'm deciding whether to put it in the box or whether to put it in the trash can. And I'm sure there's a lot of oranges ended up in the trash can that should have been in the box. And a lot of them that ended up in the box that should have been in the trash can. If you ever got a box of rotten oranges, I'm sorry. I apologize. But here's what we do. That place was cooled. And we had to use forklifts. And they had these long plastic strips that you could drive the forklift through. So what we would do is we would position our table toward the eastern side of that business where we could see through those plastic strips. And you know what we was watching for? We was watching for the sun to rise. Because when we knew, we knew when that sun came up, we were getting close to going home, and the night shift was just about over. I want to tell you something tonight. The night shifts are just about over. And you know what I read in heaven? I read there's no night in heaven. It's daylight all the time because the Lamb of God is the light thereof. You know what? One of these days, the sun's, hallelujah, the Son of God is going to come back and there'll never be one more night shift. There'll never be one more trial. There'll never be one more trouble. We'll live in the light of the Son of God forever and ever and ever. So I would exhort you tonight like they exhorted those. If you're on the night shift, just stay there. Bow the knee. Raise the hand. Pray God, wait for him to come by. And if you know somebody else on the night shift, just wave at God a little bit for them too and try and encourage him on the night shift. One of these days, all the night shifts will be over. And it'll be eternal day. But until then, God's got some work to do. And he needs somebody who will be faithful in the darkness on the night shift. I want you to bow your heads a moment. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Maybe tonight you'd say, Preacher, I, I'm in the middle of trouble. I'm in the middle of the trial. I'm in the darkness and I don't hardly know which way to turn. Let me tell you which way to turn. 
The old songwriter said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Won't you just bow the knee before him tonight? Lift up your hand, wave at him a little bit. Tell him how wonderful he is. Tell him how precious he is. Tell him how glad you are that he's your God. And tell him that even though you don't understand this night shift business, you're going to stay right where he wants you until he moves you to somewhere else. You never, one of these days I believe we'll, like Jacob, look back and we'll say, man, God knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing on that night shift. I didn't know what he was doing, but he knew what he was doing. Won't you come tonight and just, just love on him a little bit on the night shift? Say, preach, that's right where I'm at. Won't you just come bow the knee and love on him? And I believe he'll love back on you. I believe he'll speak to your heart. I believe he'll help you tonight. Just worship him. Just worship him. And maybe tonight you're unsaved. Our preacher's already mentioned it. He preached that wonderful message about grace and the ferry boat of grace. I'm telling you, it helped my heart. Maybe tonight you're unsaved. Why don't you just come? We'll get somebody to help you. Would there be anybody tonight say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm really, Preacher, the truth is I'm not saved and I need Christ. Will you pray for me? Is there anybody like that tonight? You just lift your hand and let me see it and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else? If you want to come, we'll get somebody to pray with you. Somebody pray with you tonight. Would there be somebody say, Preacher, I'm on the night shift right now. I'm not at the altar, but that's where I'm at. Will you pray for me? I need the help of God. Please remember me. I see your hand. Somebody else. I see your hand. Somebody else. Now, Father, help us tonight. Help your people. Help us be faithful. Help us remember you know what you're doing. Help us to worship you. And, Lord, come by and visit us and help us. In Jesus' name I pray. And, Lord, these that have lifted their hands said, I'm not sure I'm saved, I pray they'll come. These that have lifted their hands said, I'm on the night shift, I'm not at the altar, I pray you'll help them tonight. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet a moment, will you? Our sister's going to play. Our brother's going to lead us in a song. I believe it's Have Thine Own Way. Won't you come tonight and just worship him a little? Tell him how precious he is. Is he precious tonight? Won't you tell him so? While we sing together, have thine own way. You sing it, brother. Now. 